wisdom, justice, temperance, and courage are are the most important virtues and the things that that the reasoned man, the 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 well-formed man should should attempt to live their life by. And I mean, it's the whole. I mean, you can read. I mean, how many ancient texts, uh, you know, from the the early Christians uh, on those four cardinal virtues? And to me, justice was the driving force. I thought this is a very Christian thing to do. It's a very Christ-led thing to do, to be seeking justice for others. And, you know, so I've never been led astray. The times in my life when I have been trying to put my own career first, my own needs first, and I think the path that I'm set out on is this, God has a way of correcting. Welcome to The Riley June Show. I'm your host, Riley June, international intuition coach and spiritual activator. This podcast is designed for the souls who are ready to dive into what spirituality, consciousness, and healing truly is like. Here you will find the conversations and insight most spiritual teachers aren't willing to have. Why? Because we pull back the curtain on what truly takes place as you move through your healing journey, the duality of the light and the dark, and the role ethics and integrity undeniably play in your ascension experience. I have had the pleasure of working with tens of thousands of people, from clients, stories shared through messenger chats, and others in the industry to know exactly what this journey will look like for you. These episodes will share conversations of industry leaders bridging the gap to the new paradigm of reality and individuals sharing their heart through their soul's journey they've been through and what they've learned along the way. So if you're ready to go deep, unlock truth, and activate into the blueprint of you, this is going to be a space you're not going to want to miss out every Monday. Are you ready? Let's activate. Hello, beautiful souls. All right, this is going to be a bit of a longer episode, and I'm not going to take much time here to introduce you to it because it is truly such a profound and powerful episode. This is one you're going to maybe even want to come back a second time, especially if you're someone who's feeling lost in regards to how your life is all coming together and what that next stage and step looks like and you know how to, how to, how to, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, confusion, confusion in terms of the path of your life. Christopher Healy is such a phenomenal human being and his story from beginning to end is worth every moment of sitting on the edge of your seat and listening to truly how his journey and faith with God has led him to greater, greener pastures than you ever could have imagined before. From being in the archaeological industry to tuning into this call of service and justice, becoming a CRA, well, that's Canada, so IRS, (laughs) federal investigator for scams, uh, to then ending up a retired husband and supporting his wife who was able to create a million-dollar business with the service that she provides. The journey is powerful. The messages are potent. The insight is something to definitely take away and apply to your life. And if anything at the end of the day really pay attention to the theme of how faith led him to something greater than what he could have predicted for himself all right i'm going to turn this over to the interview enjoy take notes and just listen turn your spiritual ears on let your heart open to these messages and really just absorb this beautiful beautiful profound journey with god Hello, beautiful souls. Welcome back to another session. I am so excited to have Christopher Healy with us here today and to dig into this beautiful segment called A Journey with God. He has had quite the career path and like experience that has been solely led by God and his trust and his faith and in all things spirituality and intuition and developing yourself really faith is the path is the bridge that gets you to where you want to be every single time because as we all know it doesn't always quite work out like we think but if not that's something better so christopher i'm so excited to have you here with us today i'm excited to be here (laughs) all right so even though we did this before and we had some technical difficulties i would love for you to just take a quick moment to share with everyone who you are and the work that you do in this world 
Sure. Um, so I am primarily a husband, father, and entrepreneur these days. But um, recently, in the not too recent past, I was a special agent with the Department of Homeland Security for over 15 years. And uh, in that uh, part of my life, I chased down uh, criminal organizations, mostly transnational criminal organizations that um, targeted uh, U.S., Canadian, uh, Australian, New Zealand, and British citizens with telefraud scams. And so uh, I kind of became a subject matter expert on elder fraud and stopping these telephone scammers that target uh, individuals um, with different types of scams, the Amazon scam, the IRS scam, the CRA scam, um, the Australian tax office scam, all those different scams typically originally originate from call centers. And that kind of became my uh, my bread and butter for the last 15 years was to go after those guys and try to bring some justice to victims. Um, in the more recent uh, past, uh, after leaving my job, I went into full-time entrepreneurship alongside my wife. Uh, we own a pretty large scale and growing uh, personal health and nutrition business that focuses on coaching mostly parents, mostly um, on her side of the house, mothers over the age of 35 who are struggling to get their health back after having children and raising children. And on my side, I mostly deal with um, dads and uh, help them kind of find that that form that they used to have, um, help them kind of reestablish themselves and become more indispensable to their families. Um, so mm -hmm. it's been a passion project of ours for uh, for over a decade, and we've owned that business together, and it's really grown. Um, and then just kind of on the side, I do security consulting and private investigations um, because I'm still passionate about helping uh, individuals who are dealing with financial fraud or, or other problems. Um, so I work with a lot of folks, um, law firms, and, and do litigation support and things like that. So kind of a kind of a mixed bag. I love that. It's you get this taste of these two totally different dynamic worlds. And I'd love to know what was that draw for you that really brought you into your first career? Like, what was that thing that was like, hey, I think I need to go after this, this path of trying to help people and protecting people? What was that experience like? So um, when so I was actually in I was about to start graduate school when 9-11 happened and I was an archaeologist of all things. Um, <laughs> and so I grew up in New England. I was uh, I was actually working on an archaeological dig in like down east Maine. So almost like uh, like 30 minutes from New Brunswick. And um, I was probably the last person on the East Coast to find out about the terrorist attack because I was out in the woods all day and, and working on this dig. And I came back and it was like 5 p.m. and you know, I just wanted to shower and get the dirt off me and uh, turned on like Sports Center and was kind of shocked to see the towers collapsing on Sports Center. I didn't, I, I, it was just so off putting. I didn't know what I was looking at. And um, I kind of sat down and, and started to take it all in. And, and, and that was kind of a, a clarion call for me. I, I guess um, from that moment on, I knew I wanted to, after seeing, firemen and police and seeing what was happening at the Pentagon and all these people who were rushing into um, danger to save their fellow citizens. I just felt like what I had planned for my life was somehow inadequate. I, I wasn't, um, I felt like I needed to, to offer justice. I felt like I needed to be a part of, of serving, even if it was some small contribution. So um, that kind of became my why and, um, and service became kind of my guiding light. And so I ended up, um, it took a couple of years because there was a whole in the U.S. There's this whole reorganization after 9/11, and different departments were stood up and all that stuff. And so, um, I ended up getting a job in deep South Texas. I went from living on the U.S.-Canada border to moving 2,600 miles away down to to deep South Texas, and uh, kind of stood my guard on the on the Southwest border for a while. Um, and that was the beginning of my career with the Homeland Security. Wow. So you were in this place in your life where you were doing something that I assume you loved being an archaeologist yeah, and had this moment of a calling where it was a call to service. Very much and, so. And as a non-negotiable, you went with it. Okay. Well, if not here, I'm going here. And right. that led you to a very incredible part of your story. I'd love for you to share a bit about how that answering that call and answering this call to service led you to you being able to meet your now wife. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, you know, culturally, like growing up in New England, you know, it's a very, um, 
you know, uh, homogeneous population there in, in, in Maine. So um, moving all the way to, to deep South Texas was a culture <laughs> shock. It was a very, I mean, the food is different. The languages, I grew up kind of with, you know, having to learn to speak French in the summer because the Quebecois would come down and, and, and like hang out at Old Orchard Beach. And so you, you didn't take Spanish, you took French and you, you, um, you had a to totally different cultural relevance where I grew up. And then to move to deep South Texas, um, I was kind of a, a fish out of water in a lot of ways. I was um, Tex-Mex food and the Spanish language and, and all the, the cultural things that I was unfamiliar with. The, just the way, you know, it's much more um, flat. Just just everything about it is different than northern New England. And so um, I, I was kind of there and feeling kind of like lonely. And it was like one of those just kind of moments that, you know, you know it's fate because – um, I never went out, like didn't go out to bars, didn't go out like looking for dates or anything. I was very focused on my work. And uh, one of my buddies was like, hey, let's go. You know, it's Tuesday night. Let's go shoot pool like we haven't done anything in a while. And so I went with him to shoot pool to a place I'd never been before. And um, my wife actually it, I, I tell people it's not a it's not a romantic story. Like we met at a bar, we met at a pool hall. But um, she walked in and she saw me and she was like, that's, you know, like, you know, that's like a white guy I've, I've never seen before and I'm not related to him because <laughs> it's this like small town and she's kind of, you know, like related to half the white people in that town. So uh, she was like, I got to get to know this guy. So she she came up and actually introduced herself to me. And what was funny about it is she had no um, she had never been there either. And she was actually she had a friend who was who needed to study for a test and asked if she could use her apartment that night. And so my wife was like, well, I guess I'll go find something to do. And so she went, you know, called a couple of friends and someone was like, hey, we're over here. Why don't you come and join us? And so um, she had no reason to be there and we otherwise wouldn't have met. Both of us just kind of ended up in that place. And that was kind of the neat story was that um, I don't think either of us ever went there again, to be honest with you, after we met each other. So, um, but from then on, it, that was it. We were kind of uh, inseparable after that. What do you mean that's not a romantic story? That's like the perfect divine synchronistic moment that everybody wishes for. <laughs> if, if you saw the bar, you'd know it wasn't a, a romantic story. But, um, the, the best part about it is that several years ago, that bar got um, got torn down and uh, and they put a Chick-fil-A there. And so now I get to tell people that you know we met at, we met at a Chick-fil-A. <laughs> <laughs> So it's a little bit better story when I tell it that way. Yeah, I love that. Well, me and my husband reconnected through Tinder, so I think mm. yours might have me beat. All right, there you go. That's at least intentional, I suppose. Like we, you know, uh, we just kind of had it was just pure dumb luck, but it, it worked out for the best. And uh, and and honestly, they say like, um, you know, if you meet a girl from from South Texas, it's a very like it's a very family first part of the country and and people have very large tight-knit families my wife is no different they have a large um farming family down there they uh they do cotton and sorghum and grain and all that stuff and they've they've been there for years and years and so um meeting her i kind of resigned myself to okay this is home now because her family was there um and we're still in texas we've moved off the border since then but um i kind of you know i met her and i said okay this i guess is where i'm putting roots down I love that because that was very similar to my husband. He's someone who's always been very family orientated. You know, the family comes first. And oh, yeah. when we first, we had met 10 years prior. And when we reconnected for him, he was like, you know, that's it. Like if I'm going on a date, like that's what I'm doing. And that's right. going to be a lifelong thing where I was like, oh, this is so nice to meet you. And right. <laughs> let's, this is a nice date. And then he ended up saying, uh, yeah, so I was talking to my mom the other day. And I told her about my new girlfriend. And I was like, what? Oh, I'm your girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, yeah. it all worked out because here we are six years later and we're married with, you know, three kids and one on the way. So right. it, it's, I think what's so beautiful about that is that when you really start to get into the dynamic of relationships, whether it be friendships, you know, partnerships, all of that, even co-working relationships, I find that people who have a really strong moral value and ethical grounding center really take that commitment so much seriously, not just from the perspective of what can you do for me, but from this place of like, uh, loyalty is first, essentially. Very much so. Yeah. And I think we both have, um, 
you know, we do Enneagrams and, you know, and that, <laughs> you know, like I'm the ISTJ and she's the ESFJ and all this stuff. And I forget what, what her Enneagram is versus mine, but like there is a, we're very common in a lot of ways. We're very different in a lot of ways, but the common thing that always comes back is loyalty. Like we both have like tremendous senses of um, loyalty and service. And that's why her business has been so successful. I think that's why my career, I was so success, successful in what I did was because you put those two things first and you're going to be driven by the right things. You're going to have, yeah. um, you're always going to have your heart in the right place when you're driven by loyalty and service. Yeah, absolutely. And in this, this, this series of a journey with God, that's essentially what it is because when you put God before everything else, and, and not even necessarily in like biblical parables and things like that, though there are many to prove this as a point. But when you put God first, and I've seen this in my own life where I walked through life trying to do it on my own. Oh, I'll, you know, I'll work harder and I'll make more money and I'll, you know, do the right thing and really self-driven and self-led. And when I started putting God first, even before my family, just even my own faith and belief, and that has been a journey of learning self-acceptance and, and receiving this grandiose love that is truly promised to us. It was something that really changed the dynamic of what happiness and fulfillment meant for me. And I see that a lot, even in my husband, because he led a lot with, by example of putting God and Jesus first in his life, where even in the moments where he suffered from a lot of PTSD and trauma from all his heart surgeries. Mm -hmm. And when he found Jesus, it was like, he always says, when you find Jesus, like truly find Jesus, it's like a freight train hits you. You can't walk away from that the same person anymore. Yeah. And the more that he continued to lead, lead by that example, the more I would see him, you know, not overreacting, not getting as angry, so much more patience, so much more compassion. And he was already a, a relatively very patient and, and compassionate person considering everything he'd gone through, but it was like a night and day switch. And so for me, that really pinged my interest because it was like, you know, I've watched people who were the Sunday Christians mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm. and it never made sense to me. And so when I really saw it as a firsthand experience, not even including all the miracles that we went through throughout his journey, it was this moment of realization to me where I started digging into people who are doing big things in the world and not necessarily, you know, serving millions of people, but just people who were being led by something so much greater than money that at the root of all their stories is they had a strong faith in God. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. And I think if, you know, I talk to a lot of people and a lot of people talk about, um, you know, the universe, or they talk about, you know, kind of other, you know, I guess, modalities of spirituality. And, yeah. and for me, it's always been, you know, I grew up in a Christian household, but I grew up in a household where my dad was, you know, went to Catholic school and, and kind of came up in a very strict, kind of more Orthodox Irish Catholic sort of house. And my mom was very Southern Baptist. And between the two of them, it was a very, it was a very different dynamic. So, um, you know, I kind of had to choose a little bit and, 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 you mm -hmm. know, and then our family kind of found kind of a home and, and, and maybe a more middle road type, type, um, church home. But, um, I had gotten, I never got away from my faith, but I had gotten away from organized religion to a large extent when I, when I moved down to, to Texas, I, I put myself into work, but, uh, I would say that the kind of what put service first, what put my need to, to serve and do that was, the idea of cardinal virtues that were installed in me uh, growing up and growing up with that Catholic kind of um, influence in my life that wisdom, justice, temperance, and courage are, are the most important virtues and the things that, that the reasoned man, the, the, the well-formed man should, should attempt to live their life by. And I mean, it's the whole, I mean, you can read, I mean, how many ancient texts, uh, you know, from the, the early Christians uh, on those four cardinal virtues. And to me, justice was the driving force. I thought this is a very Christian thing to do. It's a very Christ-led thing to do, to be seeking justice for others. And, you know, so I've never been led astray. I, the times in my life when I have been trying to put my own career first, my own needs first, and I think the path that I'm set out on is this, God has a way of correcting let me take a moment to introduce you to one of my favorite memberships ever existing, the Expander Membership. This is a space where you can turn to for all your spiritual maintenance, from habits to help you to integrate and formulate that new reality that you are healing and working towards. 
group monthly coaching sessions to support you in breaking through your limitations, complemented with monthly trainings surrounding energy, guest speakers, intuition to help you to continue to grow and evolve. The sisterhood community of support that exists in this space is truly unlike any other. And at an incredibly affordable rate, you too can be maintaining your spiritual awareness, growing and expanding into yourself, and evolving beyond your past paradigms into your new reality. You can check out rileyjune.ca forward slash expansion member, or check the link in the bio to see if this is a right fit for you today. I hope to see you inside, and I'm sending you all the love. And like reminding me that no, you're not getting that promotion. You may not understand why you're not getting that promotion, right? But but then when you don't get that promotion and something happens in your life six months down the road that allows you to be more present in the life of your family and you would have never been able to had you gotten that promotion, you start to see the wisdom and then you stop questioning things. Um, you start to say, okay, you, you, you've got a plan for me and your plan and my plan are not always going to be the same, but, but I've always trusted and never been led astray. So... Yeah, I really love that you share that because of the, the I guess, the foundation of everyone's personal development growth and, and journey is learning to trust and surrender to a plan bigger than their own sure. and the ability to serve, even if that's a mom or a dad to your children or, you know, a, a position in the company that you're in out of a place of ethics and really just honestly doing the right thing. And sometimes doing the right thing can feel like two different components. And I'd love to hear from you if you've ever had an experience where something was presented as the right thing, but it actually, in fact, wasn't when you checked in with yourself and just like what what could be that path if you walked down it. Yeah, I think, you know, in, in large part, so I, I worked a lot with public corruption in, in the course of my career. And so <clears throat> I've always had this this saying that the easy thing to do and the right thing to do are very rarely the same thing. And and so, um, you know, the easy thing to do is often to go along to get along. And that might be the right thing for your career. Uh, but I saw as somebody who investigated public corruption how those slippery slopes begin. And the easy thing to do when you see something that's wrong um, is to look the other way, right? And is to not stand up and to not say, hey, that's wrong. Um, the right thing to do is to call out injustice when you see it and to be selfless and to put yourself forward, even if it means it's going to be a hit on your career, even if it means it's going to cause you problems in your office or in your agency or in your your, uh, in your organization, whatever that may be, um, to do the right thing, you're never going to be wrong. It, it, it may not feel right when you know when you suffer the consequences of that, but uh, but you can sleep at night. And so I've always kind of put that as my as, at the forefront that the, the easy thing to do and the right thing to do are very rarely the same thing. And if you have a question about whether it's the right thing to do, you know that's usually you can usually check right there. Well, what is the easier road? Okay, <laughs> you know, that then you kind of you kind of know where you need to go. And I think that that. Um, yeah, that's difficult for a lot of people because, you know, a lot of folks want to go along to get along and they want to have the path of least resistance. But that's not the that's not the path that, you know, that God necessarily puts in our place. Um, it certainly wasn't the path that Jesus had to walk. I mean, how, how easy would it be, you know, to call down a legion of angels and say, you know, like, you know, I. I'm good here. I don't need to. I don't need to die for your sins. I don't need to be this this guy. But um, but he lived his convictions and he and and he lived by his word. And so, if you can't do the same, you're not really walking the path. And so um, that's just kind of always been been how I've looked at it. It's like there's a there's there's a reason you're in this situation. There's a reason that you are being given this opportunity. Uh, this obstacle can be an opportunity and the right path is, is always to do the right thing, uh, even if it's not the easy thing. Yeah. I really love how you say that because it's really what it boils down to. And, and that's what you learn fundamentally through a personal development journey or even ultimately a spiritual journey, because you can find teachers teaching all different types of ideologies and beliefs. And, you know, I, I, I believe that we all go down certain paths that inevitably are just leading us back to the one. And so you might find yourself uh, in a place where you follow along with the spiritual teacher and they promise you the world. Well, usually when a 
person is promising you the world, that's probably not rooted in the best place because they can't promise you nothing. They are of the world. The only right. one who can promise you that is the one who created you, God. And the only way to God is through his son, the breath of life, Jesus. And so for me, it became very interesting because in the beginning of my journey, I was someone who I was interested in it all. It was like this Pandora's box opened up and it was like, oh, there's angels and there's guides and there's, you know, deities and there's goddesses and there's, you know, ancient ancestors and all these things. And Yes, of course, you've had people who've walked this earth before you, but it's like, at, at what point can they actually teach you in spirit something that's relevant to you right now? They lived a completely different timeline than you. And there's, there's so many different energy healing modalities that exist nowadays, but I find that the more and more that people work on themselves in this realm, the more and more they can't or they struggle with trying to argue that the universe is absolute over God. And I find this so much, and for anyone listening, this isn't meant to offend anyone. The purpose of personal growth is to keep expanding and evolving. So eventually you have to get beyond your threshold. And it's easy to say the universe. It's easy to say, oh, the universe will provide for you and everything's going to work out because then you trigger less people. Right. But as someone who teaches or even just someone who genuinely walks, you know, with love and compassion and, and justice and mercy and, and courage in your life, you know, why dilute your message? Because ultimately what you're just diluting is, is your own connection. And for me, there was a huge shift when I started to just accept that I don't need all these other things to give me guidance. I just need one thing. And it made my intuition clearer. It made the ability to make decisions easier, you know, not always the easiest decisions, but it just made the, the answer obvious, if that makes sense. And for you, I'd love to switch gears a bit because you have this really beautiful story about how your faith really provided for you in such a beautiful way with your daughters. And I'd love for you to take a moment just to share that story because it just, it just fills my heart so much. I know it will for anyone who listens too. (laughs) Yeah. um, So um, I'm an adoption dad. So my, my two daughters um, are age seven and nine and both were adopted internationally. So we brought them both home from China and both have special needs. So um, for my wife and I, um, adoption was always on our hearts. It was always our, our, our plan A. We never really looked at, um, we never really tried for biological children. That wasn't something that, that we felt called to. And uh, we felt called to adoption from the beginning. So um, our uh, our adoption story began in 2016. Um, we had previously, my wife and I are, are, are former uh, recovering Ironman triathletes. So we've both done about a half dozen Ironmans. And uh, we used to coach uh, men and women to, to train distance and race distance with us. So we did Ironmans and marathons and ultra marathons and, and all of that. So um, that was kind of our passion for a while that when we were, we were young and enjoying that together. And when we were ready to have a family, um, we had seen a child um, kind of on you know, there's different adoption services that host these websites where they uh, have waiting children around the world where, where kids who need homes and you have to register through an agency. And, and so we had been looking at this one this one little girl and thought maybe that was our daughter. And uh, my wife was racing. We were both racing Ironman Cozumel in Mexico. And uh, she had a I didn't know this at the time until the race was over because we were both out on the course and, and weren't around one another. But she had had uh, a bad incident where she had been stung by jellyfish during the swim. And she got out on the bike and had um, a real bad anaphylactic response and ended up in a, a hospital in Mexico, which is not you know necessarily where you want to be. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and she had so after the race, she had this like realization or, or during that instance, she had this realization that like what we're doing right now is potentially could keep me from getting to to this little girl that we need to we need to get to and that that's going to be our daughter and as it so happened that that particular little girl um there was another family that was able to get their ducks in a row before us and and brought her home but uh, it had opened our eyes to the to the process and what it took and that we needed to stop screwing around and it was kind of like you know you know god flicks your ear sometimes and it was kind of <laughs> like that so and so we uh we started the process um and we uh, we ultimately uh, matched with our, our little girl, May Lee, uh, and my wife. Um, a lot of folks, they have these stories about uh, adoption taking years and years. And for us, um, 
you know, my wife, anytime there was paperwork that needed to be done or something that could be turned around, it was, it was going out same day. We were getting things done and turned around FedEx next day air because every day that we delayed getting paperwork, there was a delay to getting to her. And so once we matched with her, we felt so called to her that we were able to get to her inside of nine months. Um, and, and that's pretty, pretty rapid. We brought her home. Um, and what we had believed we were, um, we were, we knew that she had some special needs. We just didn't know exactly what, and uh, believed that she was possibly deaf and epileptic. And she's neither. Um, but we did uh, we did bring her home, and after you know a series of of tests and kind of trying to figure things out, she's very much delayed as a lot of uh, adoptive children, um, especially internationally, are. Um, we found out that she has a very rare chromosome deletion syndrome that kind of presents itself in some ways like like autism. So there's speech delays and there's a lot of um, similar uh, kind of similar characteristics in some ways, but not in other ways. So she's kind of a unicorn and uh, just the sweetest, most wonderful little girl. Um, just absolutely just, uh, you know, you would think that we had we had, my wife had carried her full term, you know, as uh, as yeah. if she was her own. So um, so we were definitely led by God to, to, to her. And then um, we felt called to, to adopt again. And what was kind of wild about the second adoption is that in the process of trying to adopt our second daughter, we had two adoptions kind of fail on us and for different reasons. Um, one, another family um, was in the process and, and the little boy that we had hoped to bring home who was actually from my first daughter's um, foster home, another family was able to bring him home first, which you know was, it's a good thing. And our second adoption actually, um, we had attempted to go through Hong Kong for uh, an adoption and Every, all the things that happened in Hong Kong in 2019, all the upheaval and, and you know, democracy protests and the Chinese uh, national government kind of clamping down on that, it, it stopped the adoption process. And so we weren't able to go forward with that. So we felt, you know, like a lot of people are telling us, hey, you know, you've had two attempts at this. Maybe you should pump the brakes and like let your heart heal a little bit. But my wife felt tremendously strongly that there was a little girl that we needed to bring home and needed to do so. Wow. Um, and so, you know, we thought about it, we prayed on it. And there was a little girl, um, our, our, our daughter, Liana, who um, we kept coming back to and kept seeing on, on our adoption agency's website. And she had been up for adoption when we went and got my first daughter. So she had been waiting a long time for a family. And she had and has um, CP, so she's she's not she's not ambulatory. She doesn't walk. She's working on it and learning. But we we kept thinking, are we prepared to have a child that that can't walk? Are we are we the right parents for her? And and it just kept coming back to us that yes, and hurry. And so wow. for whatever reason, we felt led to really really like push hard. And so my wife went kind of all in, and um, we got to her in like eight months, and and we got to her in. October of 2019. And if, uh, if you're aware of what was going on in China at the time now, what we now know is that uh, COVID had already started in China. The outbreak had already started. And um, we got home like the day before Halloween in 2019. And about three weeks later, four weeks later, they stopped all of the adoptions out of China. And then, of course, you know, uh, by January, they were locking down cities and welding people into houses. So um, had we delayed at all, had we not followed, you know, what, again, God flicks your ear. I mean, you keep saying like, I put these roadblocks in here. I stopped this adoption for a reason. I stopped this other adoption for a reason. I, I keep leading you back to the little girl you were supposed to adopt. Why don't you people listen to me? <laughs> yeah. And when we listened and it was like, go, like that just kept being coming to us, like hurry, hurry. And so we did everything at a, at a, at a, at a higher pace than most people would have believed and, and got to her and, and, what amounts to record time. I mean, we were like eight months from start to finish. Yeah. Um, you know, I had to come up with thirty thousand dollars and and you know and figure out how to fund it and 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 get to her as quick as we could and manage to do so. Uh, and it turns out that had, had there been any delay whatsoever, um, she'd still be waiting for a family and she wouldn't be here with us. And she spent the last two and a half years with us. She's now um, ambulatory to the extent she uses a walker. She's you know. A, a, fully functional second grader who has friends and you know all the little little girl things the princess stuff and all this stuff i mean just a wonderful addition to our family and just a, like an, an absolute joy to be around and had we been stubborn and not not listened and not like opened our hearts to the message that was that was being transmitted to us 
she wouldn't be here with us. And it, it, I, I try not to think about that because it like takes my breath away to think about my daughter still being there and not with us. But, um, you know, we're very, very fortunate that we were able to get to her as quickly as we did and that we, that we stopped being stubborn and started actually listening <laughs> to the path we're supposed to be on. Yeah. Oh, that story is so beautiful. And I just get goosebumps, even though, you know, this is the second time I get to hear it. It's like, I'm hearing it for the first time. And yeah. truly it's such, it, it's such a beautiful story for, for a multitude of reasons. There's that questioning of God's path and plan for you. Like, are we the people for this? And I think that that's something that I really love that you shared so openly because there's a lot of people who honestly wouldn't feel like they could do it. I mean, ultimately we look at any experience we go through and if we're put into it, we're going to do it. Just this one, it wasn't necessarily, you know, a, a biological thing where you, that just was the case. It was truly by divine guidance that you were in that you found yourself in this experience. And, and not only did you choose to trust with blind faith and go through this as, as hard as you knew you needed to not knowing why, and then finding out why, with yeah. all the lockdowns and stuff, but then, you know, you've had this beautiful experience of watching his miracle at work where how truly love transcends anything that we ever deal with, you know, and, and she might not ever be fully cured, but the point is, is that that progress is progress and that's the power of love ultimately. And I really love that because for anyone who's listening right now, that's really feeling like, you're not doing enough or your life isn't working out or things really suck or whatever that case is, I really invite you to come back to the miracle of, you know, who created you. And I always say that we tend to think when we're disconnected from our faith, like we have to do it. We got to figure it out. We got to make this all work out. You know, we got to be the drivers in the boat or in the seat, but we've never been the driver in the seat. And the sooner that you really learn to just accept and, and honor that, I don't even want to say realize that, but honor it truly, honor it. Yeah. your whole life radically changes. And when people talk about these miraculous transformations, it's not because they're trying to control where the pedals and the steering wheel is taking you. It's because they leaned on that bridge of faith and they said, okay, you know what? You got me. I'm yeah. going to let you get me this time. And you just do what you feel called it and what you feel like is right. Because in that, it's a great example of how you, you shared that it's not always about what's easy. It's about what's right. And that's a prime example, that story of truly what that looked like, how it played out. And, and now where you get to be, where not only were you able to retire from this corporate job, but then also to be able to truly be that stay at home dad that gets to now help other dads in an act of service to help them better themselves. Cause ultimately they're not just bettering themselves, they're bettering themselves for their family. That's, and what's wild about that is the whole story. It just kind of, you know, if, if you asked me in 2017, what my path was when I, you know, had, uh, I was applying for a promotion and that by all rights I should have had, I was the, you know, the most experienced guy. I was the most experienced applicant and the guy who got the job over me, um, who ended up getting promoted over me was, promoted largely out of kind of a nepotism type relationship. It was, he was very good friends with the, the yeah. selecting official. And so it was kind of one of those, yeah, you know, you might be best for this job, but my buddy is also applying. And, and I was deeply wounded by that and hurt by that and had this like very like, you know, a period of several months of anger and just kind of like resentment about what had happened. And then I brought my daughter home a couple months later and and then we get this diagnosis, this this rare genetic disorder, this deletion syndrome that's going to require a lot more of her parents and therapy and things like that. And I just kind of, you know, paused and was like, huh, okay. <laughs> so, so, you know, what, what I thought was the right path and, you know, and why I was angry and upset and it's just pump the brakes a little bit and, and listen. And, you know, and what that did for me, it opened up an opportunity because the guy who ended up getting promoted, um, he left a position in Houston to take the, this job in San Antonio. So it opened up a position in Houston and, you know, I put in for that and it was a higher paid position. It was a better location for my family because there were more services available for my daughter in the Houston area than where we had previously lived. Wow. And so we were able to actually move to a place where she was able to get into ABA therapy and we were able to live in a place that gave her better opportunity to, work with therapists and, and to and to be close to the Texas Medical Center, which is one of the great 
you know, medical centers in the Western world and to be close to Texas Children's Hospital and all of these resources that all of a sudden we needed were created by me not getting promoted. And, you know, and, and so all of these things kind of kind of fall on the line and, and it kind of brings me full circle to where I am now, where I've been able to walk away from my career because my wife's business really, the shot in the arm for my wife's business to grow from being a kind of a, like my, my salary is the driving force in our, in our family to, to kind of have this, this salary that was, was helping, but it wasn't a driving, a driving thing to where it is now where, where her business that we've created is able to sustain an entire family was the fact that when we brought our daughter home, it kept her from being able to run a personal training studio and work the kind of hours that she was running and she had to figure it out. And so she brought her brand online and created this online workout platform and this online app app for other moms. And she recognized in herself something that, oh my gosh, there's other moms just like me who, who don't have the time and they can't get to a personal training studio. And I need to create something to speak to them. And it's become this seven figure business that would have never happened had we not leaned into a dot. So the entire story is just wild because <laughs> just by listening and being led down the path that we personally might not have chosen, it's created this wonderful life of abundance where we have this incredible family, these, this incredible business, uh, these incredible children that we get the privilege of raising and, 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 and it's all because we leaned into our faith and, and, and not away from it. Oh, so good. It just feels like it, it, it's really a true testament to walking with blind faith and, and not just because of something you're going to hopefully get out of it, but because of knowing that you're always genuinely provided for. And I think that that's really beautiful in so many ways, but most importantly, because you don't always know what that next thing that is coming down the line is going to look like. You can plan it as much as you want. And then it goes back to, you know, you can think that you're in the driver's seat, but at some point you just have to surrender to the moment. And this has become a really big thing for people because in the healing world, you're either severely wrapped in the past and constantly being led back into your trauma to hopefully climb out of that same hole and heal it. Or you're being led so far into the future about what your next year, five years, 10 years looks like and how you're going to manifest it and how that life's going to feel like. And I think that that's important because it gives people a vision. But to the point where you take yourself so far out of the present that you can't, you're not functioning anymore. And then you build on all the other plethora of, of issues like anxiety and all the, like everything, like pretty much stem any physical ailment or issue that a person normally deals with today. If it's not because of our food or water, it's probably because of how much you pulled yourself out of, out of yourself essentially. And the one thing that keeps you grounded in the now is truly your faith because you have to deal with life right now. You know, your kids exist right now. Your, your wife exists right now, you know, life exists right now. And faith is that one thing that when I talk to people who typically when they start a healing journey, they're like, okay, well, I want to learn how to get grounded. I'm like, okay, well, grounded means you're planting roots. So what are you rooting into? Mm. And then the ones who are like, oh, wow, the universe. I'm like, okay, well, let's see how that goes for you. And I don't push things because I know inevitably where they're going to go anyways. And I find that every time people want to root into something other than God, they're so led astray or they're constantly stressed or they don't get why it doesn't work. And it's like, because you're leading with something that's essentially hypothetical because, you know, there's different theories of how the universe was created, but at the end of the day, there was one creator of it all. And it's, it's the one thing that exists beyond space and time. So you can theorize it and science has, and has proved through and through the morals and the values of the Bible and the synchronicities of how there's no way someone could have come up with this to these concepts so far back. And it transcended so much time, Yeah, but it's like, at some point you just have to trust. And I think that that's such a beautiful balance between the logical and, and the, the energy, the intuition of it all, because grounding into the now with your faith really leads you to these beautiful paths of, well, essentially least resistance. You know, it doesn't feel like that in the moment. When you're <laughs> no, it does not. <laughs> yeah. But then at the end of the day, you sit back and you're like, wow, like that was, you know, two, three, five years that I went through that I could have never have foretold for myself. 
Very much so. Yeah. I, I mean, and I know personally that's, that's the case with me. Like I, I many, many times have found myself, um, you know, I, we got to this part of Texas and, you know, we, we thought, what are we doing? We're, you know, two and a half years in one place and we're, we're uprooting and moving again and, and, you know, nominally for my career, but it felt like there was, we we're drawn to something else. And, you know, the church family that we found here kind of brought both my wife and I back into a faith community. We had, we had been both people who had faith in our lives, but it brought us back into a faith community for the first time in many years where we had an adoption community around us. There, there, we met so many people through our church that had adopted and that were there and, and for us when we needed people to lean on and rely on as we were going through our second adoption and kind of dealing with the failed adoption and everything else. Um, it allowed me to come, come back to focus more on my health after uh, kind of just like my wife when we brought our daughter home and we were kind of sent for kind of a, a roller coaster when we got this diagnosis that she had this you know unique genetic syndrome and how do we get the treatment and what do we do for her um, ending up here which again had I gotten that promotion we wouldn't be here but had uh, you know not getting that promotion we end up here and we find a faith community and within that faith community there's a CrossFit studio that I start going to and start <laughs> hanging out with these guys at five in the morning and it like allowed me to refocus a little bit more on getting my health back so all these kind of dominoes started to fall just by the simple act of you know recognizing that hey your path the path that you had for yourself, that you wanted for yourself, this, you know, progressive promotion and dragging your family around the country as you had to promote here or there or go to D.C. or go to the academy or whatever else, like, that isn't for you. What is for you is being present in the lives of these children that I have selected for you, that you are to raise and that you are to, you know, to... And, and and think about it. like I, you know I'm a huge I'm a huge advocate of of reading the scripture and I, Isaiah one seventeen is kind of my guiding scripture and it, it talks about you know doing justice uh, taking care of the widows and taking care of orphans and I've always <laughs> I've always been drawn to that and so I find myself being like okay you had your law enforcement career there's your justice <laughs> you know you've been working on elder fraud how many of your victims were widows and the people that you that you have been have been bringing justice to and now is the point where you are to care for these children that I have put in your path and, and you were to be a father to them as I am to you. And so it is, it, it's not an accident. It's just when you, when you start to recognize with hindsight, the path that you've been placed upon, you, you, your faith is strengthened and you, and, and you lean into things like leaving a 15 year career um, without any hesitation. Like I didn't, I didn't like fight it and think, Oh no, this isn't for me. I shouldn't do this. It was like, Okay, no, this is this is right. Let you know, God hasn't led me astray thus far. Like, if I'm getting these signals and I'm being told, like, hey, like your career is a roadblock. Your career is getting in the way of your family's best interests and what I want for this family. I want for you and your wife and these children. Okay, then I'll, I'll leave my career. Um, so yeah, you you just you, I, I can't emphasize enough for the people who are listening that like receive those messages <laughs> like lean, lean into yeah. your faith like lean into your faith understand that that it is not a mistake it's not you're not getting the wrong you know the email you're getting in your brain is not wrong <laughs> it's lean into it you know yeah. stop stop thinking you're like you said stop thinking you're in the driver's seat you very much are not yeah, yeah. and just to tie it all up, I love it because as a byproduct of you following this internal guidance and these knowings and these intuitive downloads from God, essentially, it led you to be in that position that once where you chased, in a sense, that ability to provide at a higher capacity with money, you're finding that in a totally different place where now the sky's actually the limit. Like you are oh, yeah. not under somebody dictating what that number looks like it's like right. no i get to live my life abundantly wholeheartedly with faith <laughs> driving in the seat and everything else truly just works out both in the challenges and in the best of times as well very <sighs> much so yeah so no it's i mean i i i know we'll we'll, we'll talk offline but you should talk to my <laughs> wife as well because she'll i mean just the it, it she's probably even more articulate about this stuff than i am just being being guided and 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 recognizing it took me longer because i'm a bit of a you know that the alpha personality the you know the law enforcement personality of having to be in control and having to be you know i'm leading this case this is my yeah. investigation you know like that's hard to break you know it's hard yeah. to get it's hard to get that like that attitude of like um 
you know, I'm I'm the guy in the room that everyone looks to for leadership. It's it's sometimes hard to recognize that you know there's a bigger leader and, and that you need to step back and recognize that you are not leading. Uh, you are being you are being led, and for her, I think it was it was much easier uh, than than it is for me. But um, you know, but without that uh, steady presence of having her in my life, I might not be as as uh, I'd, I might still be banging my head against the wall and, and stubbornly driving forward on the path that you know that was really not for me. Oh, this was uh, my favorite conversation in, in so many ways, and I think that for anyone listening if you take anything away from this, it's like, you can try and avoid faith. You really can, but mm-hmm. it's not going to provide for you in the way that this divine surrender truly can. And, you know, God placed us all here. I, I heard this saying, and it was from Anthony trucks. And he said, for me, what I, what was the turning point was I realized that God made a promise to humanity when he created me. And so my job is to come into this world and figure out what gift I am to the world and to serve it as the gift it is. And it was, for me, that was such a pivotal moment because it was like, there is nothing else that exists as far as I found. And I, you know, if anyone has an opposing scripture or or experience, you know, you want to share it, there's nothing else that exists that provides this promise that God does. And it's so fascinating because it's like, it, you just can't compare. You really just can't. And so, like I said, you can try and avoid it, but ultimately it's all going to lead you back to the same place, but you do have to choose it. We were granted free will for that purpose. And the devil knows God's name. So he's not, (laughs) (laughs) he knows the difference and he knows how to work with the same thing that you're thinking that you are not. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's incredible. Thank you so much for having me on. I've, I've really enjoyed it. And I would like, I'll, I'll come back anytime to talk about yeah. this. This is like one of my favorite topics. So um, I don't often get asked about, about faith and, and get to have this conversation when I, I guest on podcasts. So it's a, it's incredible to me. And it's what we're supposed to be doing as Christians. Anyway, we're supposed to be having these conversations and sharing our faith. And, uh, and so it's, it's wonderful to have that opportunity. Yeah. Spreading the good news, you know, it's free. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I'd love for you to just take a quick moment to share what you have going on and how people can be a part of your world and and enjoy your beautiful family dynamic and um, just, yeah, all yeah. of it. If if you do, yeah. So I post a lot of pictures of my kids. So if you want to see some really, really adorable children, um, you can follow me on Instagram. It's at team underscore Healy. That's H-E-A-L-E-Y. Uh, and my wife is at my coach Lacey, uh, L-A-C-Y. And between the two of us, um, you're going to get all of the uh, all of the great um, photos of our kids, but also a boatload of great information about health and wellness and how to take care of yourself and how to be uh, a better dad, a better mom, uh, and, and and put your fitness first so that you can be there for your family and your children. Um, I am launching a podcast that comes out. Um, I don't know when this will air, but it's coming out in April of 2022, and uh, it's going to be called the Indispensable Man Podcast, and the goal of it is to tell uh, stories, uh, inspirational stories, and give my experience from my years of being a coach, of being a mentor, of being a leader in the law enforcement community, and kind of try to bring some lessons to men that they can then use to be more indispensable to their families and be first responders in their families. So um, through that, you can listen to me and you can follow me on Instagram and any programs and offerings I have coming up are going to be on my link tree on Instagram. So it's been a a pleasure talking to you, and I'm, I'm glad to share that. Yes. And of course, we'll have everything linked below. Thank you again so much for coming on, Christopher. It was truly, truly such a pleasure. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Before you go, I would love and appreciate so much if you could take a moment of your time to leave a five-star review. It helps me to be able to get this message out to so many more in the world. And I am so truly thankful that you choose this place to be every single week. Until next time, don't forget to find the magic in today.